Hi there, and thank you for tuning in to the following message provided by Renewed Church. We pray that this message will be a blessing and encouragement for you. For more information about our church, please visit www.renew.miami. All right, man, how's everybody doing? You're like, I already told you I'm doing just normal. I'm average today. I want you guys to be alive this morning. I want you to be ready to receive. Um, man, I, I told the first service this morning, it's kind of like when you go to dinner, and um, it, unless you're maybe you know, the one that cooks the meals, if you're just going to dinner and you don't have a plate, if you're not ready to receive, then you're just going to get like a biscuit and whatever else you can put in your hands. I want you to come here ready to receive. So I need you to have your plate ready, maybe even a bucket ready to receive. You guys ready today? Ready to receive? Amen. Amen. Praise God. Well, it is, it is so good to be back with you. We had a, a great last couple of weeks visiting some family and, and being in, uh, in Oklahoma and seeing some of our family and friends there. Uh, but I miss being with you, and there is no place like home. I'll tell you, this is how much we missed you. We left last Sunday, and uh, we attended church online. We were in, in, uh, uh, online watching while we were driving through, I think, the state of Mississippi back. And we literally drove 24 hours straight. We didn't even stop... I mean, we stopped for gas and Red Bulls, uh, but we did, not, we did not stay in a hotel on the way back. We decided to do it all the way straight. Me, my wife, my two daughters, and our little dog, we drove 1,550 miles. That's how desperate we were to be back with you guys. All right, so has anybody ever done that before? Anybody ever driven 1,500 miles straight or, or overnight? It's, it's kind of crazy. It's, kinda, it's, it's a little long, and it's a little exhausting, but um, we're glad to be back. In fact, when I was in Oklahoma, I was there and visiting a friend, or, or a friend of mine that, that, that I've known there for a while. He texted me while in Oklahoma, and he, he texted me this. I'm kind of reading you the text. He said, hey, are you going to be in Oklahoma City on 4th of July? You probably have plans, since you don't see your family often, but I thought I would check. So my response to him was, hey there, I'm not sure what our plans are on the day of, but I'll check with Misty and see. I, I know we're going to my brother's on Sunday night, which was July the 3rd, if you guys can kind of go back to and put your mind on the, the July 4th weekend. It was a weird weekend, right? Like July 2nd, at least where we were, July 2nd they were doing the, the, the parade in the little town that we were in. July 3rd, um, you know, they were shooting fireworks literally every day, every night. Like they didn't know which day to celebrate the 4th of July. Um, we went to a, a, a dinner and a pool party on the 3rd, um, but we didn't have plans on July the 4th. So the 4th of July came and went, and my friend never got back to me, and I felt like, like I was a little bit disappointed, and, and we spoke this past week, and he was like, hey, are you mad at me? And I'm like, am I mad at you? What do you mean, am I mad at you? No. But you asked me last week if we had plans on the 4th of July, and then you never got back to me. And he goes, no, 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 no. He said, go back and look at the text. So I'm on the phone with him. I get him on speaker, and I switch my phone to, to the text message app, and I'm opening it, and sure enough, um, there it is. I said, oh, let me check with Misty and see. The whole time I'm frustrated at my friend, and the whole time he's wondering what I'm doing for the fourth, but he's not trying to you know, pester me, so he doesn't ask me what I'm doing, and uh, he wants to hang out, but he's waiting on me to respond. He's waiting on me to get back to him, and I did not get back to him. What's, what's the point? The point is, is when you have a wrong idea about someone or something they said, it can change the way 
you feel towards them, right? Just like that. Like he texted me uh, and, and, and I thought that he said something and he didn't say it. And I was kind of like, I had this attitude like, bro, I like kind of left my, my schedule open for you to respond, for us to go hang out, for us to do something with your family. And you didn't do it. But it was my fault when I didn't read the text right. I didn't understand it. I mis, miscommunicated, misreceived the understanding. And it, it changed the way I felt towards him for those moments. What's the point? The point is, is when you have a wrong idea about God, it can change the way you feel towards him, right? Like, you, you think that God told you something, and it's not what he told you, it's not what he said, and it changes the way you feel towards him until all of a sudden somebody is able to kind of come in and say, no, 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 go back and read the text. Go back and read the text. Let's, let's go back and see what it is that the text is saying. Are you with me on this? The reason I'm telling you this is because we're in a sermon series called God Lies. And these aren't, as uh, Carlos and Sabrina said, these aren't God lies. These are God lies. I don't, I don't know if I'm making that clear. But these are uh, lies that sometimes people say that people assume are, are truth. So two weeks ago, uh, my friend uh, Carlos confronted the lie. Let's give a, rant, a round of applause to Carlos. Is he in here? There he is. First first sermon ever preached on a, on, a, on a Sunday morning. Man, I'm super proud of you for that. He, he preached a message on do whatever makes you happy because that sometimes is this, this lie that, that people attribute to God that he wants us to be happy, and, and he does, but this is in the emotional superficial sense when, when superficial happiness is coming through money or possessions that get you, uh, that, that just don't last. And in a short amount of time, you're back to being sad, mad, upset, discontent, jealous, you fill in the blank over and over again. Instead of this, we should look at what Jesus taught in the Beatitudes. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are those who mourn. Blessed are the meek. Blessed are those that hunger and thirst for righteousness. And so on. And, and Carlos looked at another translation for this idea, blessed are. And, and another way to see this, if you go back to it and you look at the original text, it's happy are. But not happy are because they got a fancy car or new shoes, but because when they are this way, they can experience comfort righteousness peace mercy and ultimately the kingdom of heaven blessed are they and it comes through these different things last week zabrina brought a powerful word i don't know if zabrina's in here but let's give zabrina a hand today and zabrina talked about the idea that the, the god lie of uh god won't give you more than you can handle and and you've heard this and and uh, i'm sure many of you have heard this sometimes it's more than you can handle but it's not always god that gives it to us and sometimes those more than moments are actually good things i that that like really was a, a, a an epiphany to me when she said that last week i was watching like i said i was watching online as we were driving back to uh miami but i i saw that and i was like you know what you're right sometimes it's the good things like pursuing the, the, the degree or going after the, the new job or, or, or buying the house and all these things, but they are still good things, but they're more than we can handle. But God gives us the Holy Spirit to be with us even in those more than moments. Don't miss next week. Don't miss my message next week. We're going we're gonna to conclude the series with this concept, uh, this, this, this thought that, that has kind of circled in, in um, cliches, Christian cliches. It's this one. All roads lead to heaven. Have you guys heard that before? Or maybe you've heard it in different ways. Like, oh, we're all going the same place. We're all worshiping the same God. And I, I, I just need you to know, like, I'm, I'm telling you, this isn't the gospel. 
And if you have a friend caught up in this cliche, I want you to invite them to church next week as we tackle this topic and what Jesus says about where our salvation comes from. Next week's message is the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ. But this week, I want to hone in on another one. I want to hone in on a, on, on a concept or a thought that has um, been probably quoted more times than, than most of the others, and it's this, God helps those who help themselves. God helps those who help themselves. Um, anybody remember Jay Leno and The Tonight Show? You guys remember Jay Leno? He's, he, if you're you know, under 25, you have no idea who Jay Leno is, but um, he did a segment in The Tonight Show when he was um, on the air, he did a segment called Jaywalking, where he would send his little hosts out into the streets and they would ask these random questions and they'd find out what the public had to say about different questions. And one of the questions he asks is, um, what are, can you name one of the Ten Commandments? And then he'd put a microphone in their face and the person would answer the question with whatever they thought the Ten Commandments are. And one of the top answers in this that people would say is, is God helps those who help themselves. They think that's one of the Ten tableted commandments that Moses brought down from the mountain. George Barna did a research sur uh, survey. George Barna is a, a company that does uh, surveys and, and uh, does polls and all of these things, opinion polls, and he said that 82% of Americans believe that God helps those who help themselves is actually in the Bible, and 50% of those think that it's a major theme in the Bible, like it's, it's one of the main things that, that we need to know as we are Christians, but it's not biblical it's not in the bible it's actually a fable it's one of aesop's fables in fact i mean the the story goes and i'm summarizing it but a man has a cart and he's pushing his cart along the path and it falls off the path it gets stuck and in comes hercules and hercules says put your shoulder into the wheel and push it yourself because the moral of the story is the gods help those who help themselves that's where they get it. That's where this comes from. But so often we are giving that credit to God himself. So today in our, our text this morning, I want to take you to Luke chapter 18. And uh, we're going to be looking at this as we address this concept or this, this God lie that God helps those who help themselves. Luke 18, if you're following in your Bible or the words will be on the screen. And this is what it says. To some who were confident of their own righteousness... And look down on everyone else, all right? So Jesus tells this parable. Parable is a, a story, uh, oftentimes it, they, we call it a, a, a heavenly story with an earthly meaning. In other words, it's not really a, a true story. It's an illustration that Jesus uses. And the reason he did it, his audience was um, to, to deal with some people that were confident of their own righteousness and they looked down on everyone else, okay? He said, two men went up to the temple to pray. One a Pharisee, and the other a tax collector. Keep going. The Pharisee stood by himself and he prayed, God, I thank you that I'm not like the other people. Robbers, evildoers, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week and I give a tenth of all I get. But the tax collector stood at a distance. He would not even look up to heaven, but beat his breast and he said, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. I tell you that this man, rather than the other, went home justified before God, for all those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. This is God's word for today. We're thankful for it. 
and uh, even pray with me now as we go into this. Father, speak through this, your word, I pray. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So here's what he says. He's, he's talking about, in his audience, he says, those that are confident in their own righteousness and they look down on everyone else. And he begins to talk about, he uses the two examples uh, of two very extreme characters. One is a Pharisee and the other is a tax collector. So here's the tax collector. He's the scum of the earth in the, that day and age. He cheats. Uh, he, he, he's like right in line with liars, cheaters, murderers, traitors. Like he ripped off his own friends and family and he represented the Roman government doing it. He, he used the Roman government as his protection. So he would overcharge taxes to the Jewish people and then give a portion of that money to the Roman government and then put the rest of it in their own pockets. And, and this is what tax collectors did. And everybody knew it. They, they knew that they were like literally traitors to their own people, ripping off their own people and using the Roman government to back them up in it. And the Pharisees in that society actually uh, except for to jesus because jesus saw through their their facade the pharisees were um highly respected in that society they were the religious and social elite they were the ones that had the right clothing and they said the right things and they served on the pta and the hoa and they were in the neighborhood watch and they knew how to say the right things to pray the right prayers they did everything that everybody said wow you're really religious you're really righteous. And so he starts to talk about, and he, he talks about these two different characters. He talks first about the Pharisee, and he says, the Pharisee, he stood by himself, and he prayed. And he prays this, God, I thank you that I'm not like other people, robbers, evildoers, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week, and I give a tenth of all I get. So the, the Pharisee starts his prayer with, God, thank you, which is a great way to start prayer with praise, to say thank you. Thank you for, for uh, normally it's, God, thank you for your, your health and strength and provision. Thank you for all that you've done for me. But his prayer starts with thank you um, that I'm not like these others in the temple today. He has this false humility, this, this fake gratitude. He's pretending like he's thankful, but really he's just making a show of himself. And he's saying, Thank you for who I am. Thank you for the ways that I've helped myself. Because I fast twice a week. I, I do these things that probably these people never do. And if they do, they rarely do. Because the custom was like not twice a week, but maybe twice a year or even once a year. It wasn't twice a week for sure. He's like, I'm helping myself. I do these things. I give a tenth of all that I get. I'm I'm a, a, a faster, I'm a tither, I do these things, thank you that I do these things. And I'm not saying they're bad, like in fact, we, we encourage our people to give, we challenge them to give to trust God with your finances, we challenge people to fast, we're going to go into a 21 days of prayer and fasting starting in August, August the 7th, and uh, we're, we're going into a spiritual emphasis series next month called Unlocked, and I hope that you'll plan on that and prepare your heart for that, I'm excited about it, but I'm, I'm saying that these aren't the things that you say I do so that I can say, let me look down on everybody else. Let me separate myself from these other people. This is what this Pharisee was doing. He was like, God, thank you for me. You see, he had, if you're taking notes this morning, he had a prideful character. He said, I've done this, I've done that. And because I'm helping myself, I'm superior to all these people around me. 
and he's critical of everybody else. It says he stood by himself and prayed. And I'm imagining that as he stood by himself, the way he stood by himself was, here's the group, here's the congregation, here's everybody, and he stood by himself by kind of making himself a little bit of a platform, and he, he comes up this way, and he says, God, I thank you that I'm not like all of these people. And he began to pray as he separated himself with this false humility, this fake gratitude, and he has this prideful character, this critical spirit. And that critical spirit, that prideful character, it leads to him being socially distanced. He's social distancing before COVID ever happened. He knows what this is, but he was distancing himself because he wanted to, to be noticed for the one that was helping himself the way that he did. He wanted others to see that. He, he was distancing himself from those that didn't help themselves the way that he did. And in doing so, he was turning a blind eye to those that needed God the most. He was, he was saying, I'm glad I'm not you. I'm glad I'm not you. I'm glad I'm not like this person or this person. God, thank you that you have me. And, and almost like saying, God, you should be thankful for me. I want to challenge you. Don't do that. If you feel like you're around somebody and maybe they're not as mature of a Christian as you, <laughs> don't do that. If, you, if you've um, seen somebody that, that has slipped up and maybe made a mistake in their walk with God, don't, don't separate yourself. If anything, get closer to them and help them and walk with them because that's exactly what Jesus would do. This Pharisee, he was social distancing in his faith. And we can't do that. We have to stay connected. In two weeks from now, we're going to be celebrating Hope Sunday, July the 31st. And I'm so proud of what God is doing in our church to impact men in our city through the Hope Center. And not only is it helping men, but it's changing generations. This is a one-year program. You guys have probably heard a little bit about it, but every, every you know, few months or so, maybe a couple times a year, we're going to celebrate Hope Sundays where we can tell the stories of what God is doing through Hope Center Miami and how it's not only changing the lives of these men, but their children and their children's children. It's breaking bondage of generational sin and things that have happened in their life, and I don't want you to miss that. You see, when we stand with men and women, because we will at one point, and someday we're going to have a Hope Center for women, uh, we will, we're, we're saying to these people, hey, we're with you. We're not better than you. We're not, we're not separate from you. We love you, and we're proud of what God is doing. We're seeing the great things that you're going to do. Don't miss Hope Sunday. And if you want to be a part of supporting Hope Center Miami, man, check out uh, my, my brother's back in the back. Javier Morejon is back there in the back, and he is uh, somebody that you can talk to if you'd like to volunteer or serve in any capacity there. We, we are, are not socially distancing ourselves from anybody. In fact, we're getting closer and closer to those people that might need it the most. And in, in fact, we need it just as much as anybody else. I need it just as much as anybody else. Let me clarify that. So Jesus talks about the Pharisee at first. He talks about his false pride and his fake humility. And then, then he points to the tax collector. And it says, but the tax collector stood at a distance. And I'm, I'm imagining if the Pharisee, and I don't know if you guys online are going to be able to see me in this, but if the Pharisee was going up this way, the tax collector was going back that way. He was going back into the corner he was going back to, to the furthest part of the temple where he could 
feel like he was in the temple, but he was nowhere near everyone else. He stood at a distance separating himself, but the reason why he stood at a distance and separating himself is because he said, God, have mercy on me. He beat his breast, it says. He wouldn't even look up to heaven, and all he could pray is, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. Jesus says in this parable, I tell you that this man rather than the other, went home justified before God. For all those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. He's in this place where he's helpless, and he's saying, I have nothing but need. God, have mercy on me, a sinner. In fact, if you go back to the original uh, Greek text of this, um, it, it says, not God have mercy on me, a sinner. It says, God have mercy on me, the sinner. So Jesus is, 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 is making the point that this man not only considers himself one, one among many, a sinner, but he's actually saying, I am the sinner. Like, I'm the worst of the worst. God have mercy on me, the sinner. And the response is, is that this man, rather than the other, went home justified before God. For those that exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. The point today that I want you to get is, is that God helps those who cannot help themselves. He helps the broken, the weak, the hurting, the helpless, the addicted, those whose marriages have fallen apart or are in the middle of falling apart, those that are, that are caught in sin, God helps those who not help themselves, but he helps those who cannot help themselves. When you keep putting your shoulders to the wheel and it just won't budge, it just won't move, God is the one that says, man, just stop trying, stop fighting, and just trust me. God specializes, if you're taking notes, in helpless situations. God specializes in help, helpless situations. You know, I, I don't have to give you all these illustrations or examples, but I want to. I want to make sure you understand it because it, you might say, well, pastor, this is a really good uh, one-time illustration, but are you sure that God doesn't help those that help themselves? Well, let's go back to the Old Testament. Let's go back to the Israelites who have been um, delivered out of Egypt, delivered out of slavery. They're on their way to, they're, they're trying to get to the promised land, but before they barely even leave Egypt, uh, Pharaoh changes his mind, and he's like, what have I done? I've lost my entire labor force. Let's go and get them. And so behind the Israelites are the Egyptians with their chariots and their swords, and in front of the Israelites is a Red Sea that they can't cross. God helps those who cannot help themselves because they didn't figure out how to build boats they didn't figure out how to swim a million people across the red sea god parts the waters and they walk across on dry land god helps those who cannot help themselves those same israelites they get into the the wilderness and and man these are some helpless people if you ever feel helpless you ever feel like you just keep on screwing up this go read back in the story of the israelites in the exodus read about their life and what they went through because these people 
took a, a, a four-week or a four-month journey and they turned it into 40 years. And in that 40 years, there was a season where they were running out of food and they were like, why didn't we just die in Egypt? And they're complaining to Moses, God, Moses, why didn't you just let us, at least we had food in our, our houses and a roof over our head. And God sends bread from heaven. God sends manna down and every day he provides their daily bread so that they have to eat. God helps those who cannot help themselves. I was reading about Hezekiah, the king of Judah, this past week in 2 Kings chapter 20. And Isaiah is telling him, the prophet is telling King Hezekiah, put your house in order because you're going to die. You will not recover. Hezekiah turns his face to the wall and he says, remember me, Lord. He just calls out on God. I, I see him like literally in this, this place like, like uh, the, the, the tax collector. Can't even look up. His face is to the wall and he's like, have mercy on me. And God gives Isaiah, the prophet, a new word. And he goes back to Hezekiah and says, hey, I don't know what happened, but God's giving you 15 more years. So he turns that helpless situation into a situation of hope. He gives him 15 more years. Then there's the Hebrew teenage boys, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who would not, would not bow to the king. And because they wouldn't bow to the king, he said, then you're going to go in a fiery furnace, and you're going to burn, you're going to die. And they're like, we won't worship. Our God can deliver us, but even if he does not, we will not worship that golden statue. So they're thrown in the fire and the king is watching and he's asking his servants what's going on and what's happening with the boys and they're like, I don't know, but it doesn't look like there's just three. There's a fourth figure and it looks like a God. The son of God, maybe. God helps those who cannot help themselves. It's throughout the scripture. You go to the New Testament. Jesus is in the boat. And a storm comes up and it begins to rage. And what happens while they're in the, 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 the storm? These fishermen that should know water pretty well, they should be able to handle this kind of thing. They begin to get nervous and they're like, Jesus, don't you care? We're about to drown. Jesus gets up. He goes out of the, the, the bottom of the boat. He goes to the bow and he goes to the front. And he, he says, sit down and shut up. He says, peace, be still. He tells the wind and the waves. He's not telling the disciples this. He's telling the wind and the waves, sit down and shut up. He's saying, peace, be still. They couldn't do anything about the storm, and they thought they were going to die. Jesus helps those who cannot help themselves. Story after story, the leper is made clean, the lame is healed, the blind see, the dead are brought back to life. God helps those who cannot help themselves. So what do you do? What do you do? If you're taking notes, you, you humble yourself. If you're following in the example of this tax collector, you humble yourself. You're not, the, you're not following the example of the, the religious, righteous in his own eyes, thankful for himself guy, the Pharisee. Don't follow him. Instead, be more like the guy that separates himself. He finds his way to, to a place to say, God, have mercy on me. You humble your, yourself. You, you stay helpless. This is the second point if you're taking notes. You stay helpless. 
What, a, what better place to be than just helplessly in need of your Savior? Even if you think you have it all together, even if you think the world is, is, is like just coming together for you at all times, stay helpless, stay, stay dependent on your Savior. And then the third one is this, listen, wait, the middle blank, believe. Listen, wait, believe. We're doing a, a small group in our home. It's, uh, there's only a couple weeks left of it, but it's called Hope in the Dark. It's based on a book by Pastor Craig Rochelle. And, and uh, in, in this chapter that we've been reading, or this section we've been reading, it's about, and it follows the story of Habakkuk, the prophet. And, and Habakkuk is in this place where things are not going really well. And so what does he do? It says that he climbs up the ramparts, which is like this, uh, Lewis was trying to explain this to me. He's, he climbs up the, the, on top of this castle on the wall on the highest part of the place where he can see. And, and, and he's kind of like just trying to wait, listen, and look for what God's going to do. And I think that that's the same thing that we sometimes need to do. You know, separating yourself, not like the, the Pharisee that says, hey, I want to I wanna, um, show that I'm better than everybody, but sometimes getting away, getting alone to say, okay, God, what is it that you want to do? I got to get the noise out. I got to remove myself from all the distractions in my life. God, what is it that you want to do? And I, I listen, I wait, and I believe. I believe that my God can have mercy on me, that he can help me in my point of need, whatever it is that you need. I felt like as I was writing this, I was like, this is not a very practical uh, sermon. And, and so let's just keep going in this unpractical sermon. Here's, here's the last point if you're taking notes. Don't just do something, stand there. Instead of what oftentimes people say, which is don't just stand there, do something. I'm telling you, don't just do something, stand there. God helps those who cannot help themselves. So in that position, in that place, when you don't know what to do or how to do it, don't just do something to try to solve the problem yourself. Stand there and allow God to show up, to show off, and prove himself to you. Time and time again, throughout Scripture, old and new, it's examples of God helping those who cannot help themselves. And the greatest example would be that of the cross. It would be that of Calvary. It would be that of what Jesus did for us. And at Calvary, it wasn't a place where he went and made a spectacle of himself and, 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 and you know, brought a legion of angels and, 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 and brought down the enemy and, and, you know, conquered the political kingdom of the day or the military kingdom of the day. No, no, no. He, he made himself helpless on a cross. He went to the cross. And he dies. And in doing so, he helped those that couldn't help themselves. In doing so, he... He helped all of the people that were in a place where they, their sacrifice wasn't enough. Their, their penance wasn't enough. Uh, my sacrifice wasn't enough. My good works weren't enough because my, my good works are like filthy rags. They're, they're nothing. They, they, they don't amount to anything. So Jesus 
made himself helpless by going on to the cross in our place. That mercy that, that we're talking about when it says, have mercy on me, it's like he's saying, um, take my place. God, how, be my substitute for, for the things that I can't do, for the ways that I can't figure it out. Like, I, I can't do enough. I know I can't. So have mercy on me. There's a, a, a story of a young lady that got a traffic ticket for speeding. And uh, the, the options were spend a night in jail or pay a $100 fine. And uh, so when it was time to go to court, she went to court. She stood before the judge in the courtroom. And uh, the judge says, how do you plead? You've been, um, you got a ticket for, for uh for speeding, so you're going to either have to uh, pay a $100 fine or spend a night in jail. How do you plead? And she said, well, I'm guilty. I was speeding. I was caught. That's what happened. And he said, so what are you going to do? And she said, well, I don't have the $100, so I guess I'm going to spend the night in jail. All of a sudden, the judge comes off the bench. He removes his outer robe, he folds it, puts it nicely there on top of his chair, and he comes down to where she's standing, pulls his wallet out, takes the $100, and he pays her fine. He pays her ticket, he pays her $100. You know who he was? He was her father. And he paid her fine. He saved her. She couldn't help herself and she had a, a, a pretty tough consequence that she was going to pay. But her daddy stepped in and said, I got you. I'm going to do this on your behalf. That's the gospel. That's what Jesus does. How do you plead? Guilty. What are you going to do? I don't know. I guess I'm going to pay with death. The wages of sin is death, right? Romans chapter 6. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. He pays the price. He pays the fine. He becomes that payment for us by becoming hopeless, becoming helpless and, and saying, Father, forgive them for they don't know what they do. Would you stand with me this morning as we contemplate this in our own lives, as we think about everything that we're trying to do in our society, in our world, man, it's, it's so easy for us to get caught up trying to solve problems, to fix. We're fixers. Husbands, men, fathers, we're fixers. Moms, women, wives, we're fixers. We, we, we put the band-aids, we do these things. We know how to do these things. Young people, like, you, you do that. You're like, I don't even need my dad's help anymore. I got this. I'm, I'm figuring it out. We're fixers. I challenge you. Don't do something. Just stand there. Just realize that, hey, God's got this. God helps those 
who cannot help themselves. He specializes in it, and that's what he wants to do for you. That's what he's going to do in you if you allow him, if you let him. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes with me? If this morning God's speaking to you in this, uh, this way and he's saying, you know what? It's time you do something about this. It's time you respond to this because you've been, you've been trying to fix everything on your own and it's just not working. Maybe on the outside it looks good. Maybe on the outside everybody's like, wow, this is the person with the nice car and the nice house and they got a two-week vacation. They, they, they have it all figured out. I'm, I'm right there with you sometimes. And it looks like from the outside in, I got it all together. If you're in that place where God's saying, hey, listen, I know the real you. I know the inside you. I know the you that others don't know. Why don't you give me that? Because I specialize in helping those that cannot help themselves. If that's you today. Man, I want to encourage you just to, to say, God, help me. Be there for me. Have mercy on me. As the tax collector did, to say, God, have mercy on me. The first step for someone maybe in the room is the step of salvation. Saying, God, I, I can't pay the ticket. I can't pay the fine. And I know that I'm guilty. I know that the wages of my sin are death. Because that's what the scripture says. But here and now, today, I want to receive the gift of God, which is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. If that's you today, I invite you to make Jesus Christ your Lord and Savior today, to make a declaration this morning that He is Lord of your life, He's your Savior, and that He can and will save you today if you declare Him as that. I'm going to pray this prayer. And... Uh, if you want to pray this prayer after me, you can. But let me open with uh, just a prayer for, for our entire uh, congregation, everybody in the room. God, you know our hearts. You know our lives. God, you know each and every person where they're at today. And I pray that right now you'd begin to, 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 to drop down the guard that they're putting up. The thing, the wall that they're putting up to say, you know what, I got this. No, I'm okay. I don't, he's not talking to me. God, if you're speaking them I pray that they would remove the guard that they would be able to pray the prayer have mercy on me if that's you today if your prayer is God have mercy whether you're a Christian or you're not a Christian whether you've known Jesus your whole life or or, or, or not if if today you're saying Jesus I need help have mercy if that's you today just lift your hand and say pastor pray with me I see your hand I see your hand anybody else anybody else I see your hand over here on my right see your hand up front I see your hand so God you see hands but you also see hearts you know exactly where they're at even those watching online those that are participating God you know what they need even before they ask father have mercy on them help them to realize that God even even when we think we have it together we don't we desperately are need in need of you God, for the person in the room that hasn't taken that very first step, or maybe they took it, but they've walked away, they've turned their back on you, they've, they've strayed for some time. Thank you that you're a good father. Thank you that you have open arms and that you receive us back as soon as we turn.
towards you. If you're within the sound of my voice and you're saying, Pastor, pray for me. Today, I want to make Jesus my Lord and my Savior. Today, I'm asking him to come into my life and to forgive me, to make me brand new. If that's you today, just lift your hand right where you're at. I see your hand, sir. Praise God. Anybody else? Praise God. It's a simple prayer that goes like this, and I invite the congregation to repeat this prayer after me as I pray it out loud. And if, if you want to accept Jesus as your Savior, you just pray this prayer uh, after me as I pray it out loud. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you for sending your Son Jesus to die on the cross for me. I know that I'm a sinner, that I've made mistakes. Forgive me of my sin. Come into my life and make me brand new. Today, I declare you as my Lord and my Savior. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. God, I thank you so much for the things that you're doing in the hearts and lives of people today. God, I thank you that you're breaking down walls and helping people to realize that, hey, it's not in your own strength, it's not in your own power, but it's by the Spirit of God working in you that you can accomplish the great things that God wants to do, that, that your justification doesn't come because of, of, of your religious acts, but it comes because of the mercy of God that begins to flow through every, every, every area of your life. God, do a great work in these, your people, I pray. I thank you, O oh God, for the great things you're going to do in them and through them. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. As we sing, as we prepare to sing, if you want to come forward to pray, there's uh, just kind of a place up here at the front where, where there would be some, some ministers, some people that would be happy to come behind you and pray over you, rest their arm on you, and, and just pray with you for whatever the need might be. If you need prayer for any reason at all, why don't you come? Why don't you make that declaration just saying, Jesus, have mercy on me and allow him to work in your life. Let's sing the songs together as we conclude the service.
Amen, amen. Good morning, church. You may be seated. Maybe if you're watching online, maybe you've been seated the whole time. Maybe you were standing during that worship, right? Praise God for our worship team this morning. Well, good morning once again. Thank you all for joining us for, for Sunday service this morning. My name is Pastor Mikey. Um, man, and I would like to encourage you, um, if you're a new guest this morning, or maybe you haven't been back in a while, or maybe you just have something you want to communicate with us, man, fill out this connect card. Put your name on it, your number, and if you turn to the backside, um, there's some action steps there. If you'd like to commit your life to Christ, if you'd like to, to talk to a pastor, if you'd like to learn about how you can serve, all of these different things, you can communicate with us on this connect card. So please fill out a connect card, find one on a seat, and drop one off in a bucket or give it to a pastor, and we would love to be able to connect with you, serve you, and help you in any way that we possibly can. Um, just want to share a few announcements, some things that we've got going on here at Renew Church. Um, immediately after this service, we're going to be having Growth Track 201. What is Growth Track? Is that some sort of exercise? Am I going to have to run? No, it's not what a Growth Track is. What Growth Track is, it's an opportunity for you to kind of peek a little bit behind the curtains, get to know Renew Church a little bit better. Specifically today, today's Growth Track is pretty much all about you. In today's growth track, you take a little analysis and what it does is it reveals some of the gifts and the talents that God has blessed you with. And I promise you there's going to be some things in there that you're going to be a little bit surprised at. Gifts and, and talents that you didn't even know you had. And the whole purpose of this is to help you understand how God has created you uniquely with specific gifts and talents so that you, yes, you can make a difference for Him. So Growth Track is highly recommended if you've never done it. It just takes about 40 to 45 minutes. It's going to be in the building to your right. It's, in, it's called our Connections Building. I promise you it'll be worth your time. It's a great experience. Even if you just leave there with some more information about yourself and the way that God has wired and created you. Another thing I want to mention is on August the 14th, we're having our Back to School Sunday. So we have a goal, we have a plan. We want to bless 150 students from our Miami campus and our Homestead campus, and we want to bless them with some school supplies. So I have this Ziploc bag here. There's a list of items that, that we want to fill, want to be able to bless these kids and these families. And so if you'd like to be involved in that, if you'd like to make a difference and help out our community, you can pick up a Ziploc bag on your way out in the lobby, and you can bring them back um, just anytime before August 14th, but this, the 7th, by August the 7th, um, to get that in so that we have all that we need. But what an opportunity to, to make a difference in our community, to, to bless some families and show the love of God in such a cool and practical way. So if you'd like to pick one up, and you can take more than one if you'd like, right? If, if that's what you feel led to do, you can, you can take one that's totally fine. You don't have to take one if you don't want to, or you can take more than one that's perfectly fine with us. Uh, lastly, if you'd like to give to Renew Church, I just want to let you know that there's a few ways that you can do that. The first way to do that is in person via the um, envelope in the seat pocket in front of you. You can drop it off in one of the buckets on your way out. The second way to do that is to do it online by visiting renew.miami forward slash giving. And the third and final way to do that is to do it via text by texting give 786-565-1165. Would you pray with me? God, we thank you for this day. 
Um, God, we thank you for this service, God, this worship experience, God, the word that we were able to receive and listen to this morning, God. I pray that you would help us just apply it to our lives, God. Help us to lean on you, to be humble before you, oh God. And, and um, God, uh, just help us in, in the situations that we're, that we're in, Lord. God, we pray over this offering this morning. God, pray that you would use it, God, to bless this community, Father, to, to bring more people inside these church doors and experience your love, God. Experience your grace and have their lives radically changed, God. God, I, help us to just trust you with our resources, God, and know, God, that you are doing amazing things in the lives of your people, Father. Bless them, God, as they worship you and as they give to you in this way. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you, guys. See you next week.